This podcast is a part of the Carbon Almanac Network of Podcasts. Hi, I'm Imma. I live in Scotland. Hi, I'm Jen and I'm from Canada. Hi, I'm Oladranji and I'm from Nigeria. Hello, I'm Liki and I live in Paris. Hey, I'm Rod. I'm from Peru. Welcome to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. In our conversations, we share ideas, perspectives, questions, and things we can actually do to make a difference. So don't be shy and join our Carbon Sessions because it's not too late. Hello, everyone. I'm Ola Banji. Hi, I'm Brian. And hi, I'm Leaky. And today we are going to talk about wells and welling. And I actually wanted to start off with something that it's funny that uh, we're talking about wells and welling because uh, I don't know if you um, you are familiar with that, but Seth Godin often used the example of wells to illustrate systemic change. Do you know that? Yeah, I didn't realize that. Okay. He often uses the example of uh, wells uh, used in the 19th century and well oil. I guess it's from well blubber, and that was used for street lamps. And it almost led right. wells to go extinct. Yeah, it rings a bell, right? Yeah. Mm. Now I remember these these metaphors. Yes. Yes. And what prevented wells from going extinct was not animal rights groups like Greenpeace. I don't know if it existed, but like some mm. kind of um, animal right groups. But it was precisely because, because of the discovery of fossil fuels, you know, quote unquote magic that comes with uh, the discovery of fossil fuels. And all of a sudden, or I don't know, it's all of a sudden or gradually, I don't know, but there was a shift from using well oil to light the streets to using fossil fuels. Yeah. And well oil was part of the, you know, what he called the pre-industrial system and the discovery mm -hmm. of oil led to place well oil and save the wells at the same time. But here we go again. We're going back to welling. That's crazy. That is so crazy. It's interesting because I'm now, Olabanji and I were just talking about some of the things happening here in the U.S. related to the renewables industry and how it's not necessarily political action that's leading to as some of the change, mm. but instead it's actually that from a, from a financial incentive perspective with some of the tax dollars under one of our recent tax policy changes that has yielded people starting companies to go build solar and wind farms that because it is now financially incentivized, there is, it is, it is beneficial to do so. And so we are, getting many new customers in the space very quickly, and it is exploding and growing in a wonderful way. But I think you're right, Leaky, that that same concept, it's not, I think the political action and advocacy is having an impact, but it's also actually something else outside the political action that's also giving rise to some of the change we're seeing, right? Sort of like just the discovery of fossil fuels leads to, well, we don't we don't need that. And that leads to a good by not whaling. Yeah, yeah that's very interesting. I think we're seeing that mm. today. Well, I want to talk about, can we talk about whales too? And it and and I learned so much when you proposed this topic, Leaky. It was Ola Banji. With Ola Banji, yes. Yes. Yeah. I like I had so much fun. I I 
I grew up on the Oregon coast, you know, near the Oregon coast, not exactly on it, but only a short bit away and spent time. And we've got a lot of whale activity there on the West coast of the United States. Oh, really? Um, and there's actually, it's now a thing that I do with my family every year when we go back, we go out with this whale scientist on her boat with her dog and go see whales every summer. Um, and it's, they're such fascinating creatures, but I didn't realize, so I've been fascinated with whales for a long time. I didn't realize what a big role they play in the whole carbon cycle on the planet. I did yeah. not comprehend that before this, but was just really, really astounded by, by that part of it. Can, can we dive into that a little bit? Man, I'm excited too. That that's um, that's huge, man. I, I I didn't know too until I saw that, and I was like, wait, 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 hold on, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Let's just in. to share with our our audience here, you know, a couple of different, um, you know, sort of stats or, or facts here. The the whale population has declined greatly over, you know. Uh, thousands of years that whaling has been in place. Mm. Um, there are only a few countries that, and Leaky, you have some data points on this. The whale population has declined over, you know, a few the last few thousand years, in large part with human whaling activity. Um, it's estimated that it's declined by somewhere between sixty-six and ninety percent. So very significant that over huge. that full stretch of time, wow. right? Sort of crazy. Mm. Um, and part of some of what I learned in, you know, in doing some research for this was what that means to the whole, like, the carbon cycle within the ocean. And I didn't realize, you know, whales, we know they're, they're big physical animals, but I didn't realize how much carbon they end up being. It's like they're a really big tree, right? They're such yes. large animals right. and they're principally made of carbon as we are right in, in molecules that what ends up happening is they are a really big carbon sink themselves, the, the, their body that when they sink to the bottom of the ocean and slowly sort of decay into the ocean floor, it actually, it, it anchors and sequesters a lot of carbon into the ocean floor, which leads to many other things. And, you know, the, the population of whales that would have sunk, that would have, passed away organically had we not had some of the whaling activity um, amounts to somewhere between um, 190,000 to 2 million tons of carbon sequestered per year. That's the equivalent of like somewhere in the 40,000 to 400,000 cars, non-hybrid cars or non-electric cars on the, the equivalent of the gas and carbon dioxide creation in that, just from just whales passing away year to year, just the, them living their life, sequestering carbon in their body and passing away. And we're missing out on much of that. Like that's how much we're missing out of because we have such a smaller whale population. It is crazy, but I have a, a couple of thoughts. Uh, how long, what's the life expectancy of a whale? So if we kill a whale, it's, it's, I guess it's because it's a big animal. It must be um, an animal with a very high life expectancy. So if we kill it, we're killing this possibility of, of, of sequestering carbon for a long, long time. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is, why do people keep whaling? What's the point? 
really? I, I don't know that I have an answer to your second question, Leaky. I don't know that I'm going to successfully answer that one. Although it, I'm sure there's a perspective, right? And, and, and maybe we should try to speak to that. Mm. Um, average lifespan, this is from memory, is, in the, is sort of human lifespan length, right? At the low side, you know, 30, 40 years. At the high yeah. side, 70 to 100 with, I do believe there's some species that, that live even longer, mm. longer than humans. Um, I'll mention that podcast we talked about uh, a few yeah. shows ago, 30 Animals That Made Us Smarter. I think it was on there. I listened to a bit about some sharks that live over 400 years or sharks that start breeding after they're 400 years old. Crazy. Like there's there's some there's some life in the ocean that has very long lifespans. But I think whales sort of top out in the, you know, 100 maximum to, if I recall correctly, in that kind of space. I don't I don't think they have like, many many hundreds of years as mammals yeah they, they actually i think on the average it's about a hundred years yeah so, so, so when we're killing a well uh that means we're killing the the possibility of getting a sequestering carbon for over the lifespan that is left yeah for whatever it is yeah yeah actually and um, probably an interesting thing to note is it's like the value of whales. And I think it was um, Jason Momoa that made a post about the value of whales. And that was what really got me interested in whales and, and started having the chat leaky. It was like, one whale is worth $3 million. How do they calculate that? Uh, I don't know how they calculate that. Um, I think it's partly because of uh, the things that they produce, the amount of uh, carbon that they're able to sequester. Um, and it's like the life of a whale is about, um, I think, 80-something trees. I can't remember. It, oh, yeah, I got it. So they say that a large whale that lives for 100 years might sequester more carbon than 1,500 trees. Mm, that's a lot of trees. That's a lot of trees. Yeah. The, the trees. IMF did a um, published a report um, back in 2019 that that focused on the benefits of putting whales in the ocean or supporting whale life in the oceans and trying to sort of and speaking to right. It's the International mm -hmm. Monetary Fund. So they're speaking to leaders of countries around the globe. And they tried to put a dollar value on it. And they had a very similar figure, Olabanji, mm. um, which was, and again, this is four years ago. So mm. there's been inflation, et cetera. But um, they valued the the climate benefits, mm. not the value of the whale as a product, mm. as in yes. kill it and yeah. sell its products, but mm. the climate benefit oh, yeah. uh, value to countries. Um from a redu reduction in other costs related to climate change at over $2 million. So in that same range mm. per, per whale. Wow. Right. And so if you think about it, like, and that's principally driven by, as you said, their carbon sequestration. And one of the interesting thought pieces that I read in, in one article was, mm. was around, we think that there's a lot of land and there is a lot of land for tree planting and that stuff. But in terms of the amount of arable land that trees, the kind of trees that really sequester carbon, that grow to a size and really pack it in can successfully grow. 
the amount of land available to that kind of ecosphere relative to the amount of ocean three-dimensional space that can support marine life that does similar things, whether it's the phytoplankton or the whales all along that value chain. It is the, the arable land is a fraction, mm. a tiny little fraction of the amount of space in the ocean available. And so from a carbon sequestration yeah. point, we've got this amazing availability of space to create carbon sequestration systems and support them in their success in this global ocean ecosystem versus terrestrial land-based mm. land. Mm. Um, and I just found that so interesting. Wow. Yeah. I, I've read that the ocean anyway has a huge, uh, you know, uh, carbon sequestration potential that we're not utilizing enough. Like even uh, things like algae that can sequester a lot of carbon. And uh, we, we had this conversation um, a while ago in another episode that um, I've read in the book called um, It Like a Fish that I can't mm -hmm. remember the exact number, but for it, an equivalent of of a space, like the size of, of I think, uh, one of the American states, if we grow algae in that space, it will be able to, we will be able to capture the whole entire carbon dioxide in the world. Something like that. Uh, I might be wrong with them, with the, mm -hmm. but it's, it has a huge mm -hmm. carbon sequestration potential. The ocean and yeah. algae. Yeah. Well, and here's I'll come back to one of the. You know, it's going to sound like to our listeners that the only thing I like talking about is farts and burps and poop <laughs> because I brought it up on several different podcasts. It's natural. But I want to talk about whale poop for a minute. Um. So. <laughs> One of the things that I was fascinated by is that whales, as they go, as they consume a lot of uh, plankton and phytoplankton, yeah. um, they one of the things they do is they are they are concentrating and creating this iron-rich concentration in their body that ends up leaving their body in the form of poop, right? And so their whale poop or feces is extremely rich in iron, which creates these when they rise back to the surface, right? So they feed down deep often and then bring themselves back up to the surface, both collect new air and oxygen um, and poop, it turns out. And what they do is their poop in these larger herds creates these sort of this, um, this potential, it's almost like fertilizing your garden in a certain way all up near the surface where it creates a, a bloom of phytoplankton because those phytoplankton can grow quickly and vociferously with that iron rich poop mixed into the water. And it creates these really big phytoplankton growth opportunities. And part of what that leads to is exactly as you just referenced, Leaky, it's similar to algae. It's a ton of carbon sequestration mm. happening and greening you know, that's happening right there as a, res as like a byproduct of the whale and all those other benefits we just talked about. Yeah. Um, and I just found that, you know, and again, you're, everyone will think that that's just a thing I'm into, but I love that whole cycle kind of mentality and understanding how these systems really work in a, in a full circle kind of way. Um, so yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Cause that helps all these other plants grow. Yeah, and then my question really is: Why are 
why are people or companies wailing? Why are they allowed to wail? Right? What exactly do they need the whales for outside of the ocean? Mm-hmm. I I've read somewhere again, you know, out of um, out there on the internet that in Iceland they well, I shouldn't say excuse, but the reason for doing that is that it's been a tradition and they want to keep the tradition alive. But the sad thing is that the well that they kill, they don't even keep it. They export it to Japan, whose, um, uh, who's, I think, wells mm. is still a delicacy. And uh, wells mm. is used in some, um, some cosmetic products. So it, it sounds really weird. You know, it's, you know, we know that it's not good. They keep killing the animals because it's part of the tradition and they want to change and then they don't even need mm. this dead animal so they export it and that's crazy because if you consider the the effect of that say the value of a whale is about three million dollars or maybe two a, a little over two million dollars let's pick three million dollars as a round figure and in iceland about 148 whales were shot in just one year. And even though 61 of them did not die instantly, they they kept shooting them until they died. Um, And that's crazy because if you say uh, $3 million multiplied by the number of whales that they killed, that's well over $400 million. And if you tell the, you know, government or companies or communities or whoever it is to bring that much money to fight climate change or for sustainability reasons uh, that that'll have to go through i mean it is it, gonna it's definitely going to be harder to get that amount of money out but then it's it's right there in the ocean for free and for some reason we, we just don't want it to be. But I I guess this is because the um, the value of wealth does not enter in the economic equation. And this is the problem of an environment. This is, a, I don't know if it's possible to talk about positive externality, but this is what you're mentioning is the positive externality. And so if we can value it, it will we will be able to appreciate the, the benefit and the value of it. But the economy doesn't work that way. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And one of the other things I found interesting was this sort of um, food chain system that as the whale population declined, one of the things that happened was that orcas, or killer whales as they're often called, um, didn't have sufficient feeding. There weren't as many whales to hunt themselves. And so they started turning their predatory behaviors. And if you've never seen one of these either on video or in person, like they are impressive hunters. Like we often think about lions or tigers as impressive hunters. Mm. Boy, go check out orcas or killer whales. Really, really impressive hunters. But they've turned, they've turned their hunting to smaller animals, including a lot of seals, sea otters, and another sort of smaller sea life mammals. And in so doing, one of the, I was really surprised at this, was 
that those animals that the orcas are now feeding on instead of whales were some of the animals that kept down the sea urchin, those little spiky, spiny balls, um, which I stepped on once and got them in my foot. Oh my goodness. (laughs) You don't want to step on a sea urchin. They are not fun at all. Um, Ruined my, ruined much of my trip. Um, But the population of sea urchins has blossomed because they aren't being eaten by the sea otters and sea lions. And so now with the sea urchins population blossoming so quickly, they sea urchins feed in, in kelp beds and they chew up, they, they eat the base of the plant, which then sort of releases it and then it decomposes. And so these big sea kelp forests are being sort of eaten up and destroyed by, uh, by over eating, overconsumption by sea urchins, which really, attra- and I read about that separately, but I didn't realize mm. that that actually came in part out of this like food cycle chain deriving out of the whale population declining. And I was like, I was like, whoa, this other thing that we're worried about, actually the source starts here as well with whale population declining. Mm. Yeah, I think everything is connected under the sea in the ocean. I once did um, a workshop on you know, understanding the, the links and the cycle of um, of uh, life under in the ocean and how it affects climate change and our lives. And everything is linked. Everything's yeah. connected. Yeah. But is is there something? Is there something we can do? aside not killing whales i mean that's going to have to be the first but is there something we can do to we don't we don't kill whales anyway yeah i mean not not us i mean the (laughs) the whale hunters um aside stopping whale hunting is there something we can do to accelerate the growth of whales or help the population increase again that's an interesting question. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know the answer to that. I know I'm I'm going to venture to guess that some of the things we've talked about in some of our other um podcasts and conversations have been, you know, some of those classic things like um uh microplastics um in that are ending up in our water system. Um, that leads to, whether it leads to, you know, the non-flourishment of whales Mm. or their food source or something else in that food chain cycle. Mm. Um, I feel like the microplastics, you know, some of the the general ocean health, Mm. right? Whales are these really big creatures living in this environment. So general, general ocean health, you know, I feel like is like one of those, classic ones that it's not very my answer i guess to you is not very whale specific but i bet it helps whales yeah yeah i think we've also talked about the coral reefs and a ton of stuff about the ecosystem mm-hmm. in in the oceans and i think if if we sort of start to pay more attention to that i, I guess you're right I guess that since everything is connected in the ocean, you know, just paying attention to, to you know, to pay respect to the life, lives uh, in general, all sorts of lives in general in the ocean will help 
the wells prosper. Mm. That's my guess. Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other thing that I know is, is important within, again, this sort of thing is like, just thinking about, right, like a lot of whales currently end up dying because they're hit by ships, yeah. right? So ships running into a whale is is one of the sources. And, and I don't know whether it's a majority or a, a, even a significant amount, but every time you're ordering something that could be produced more locally, but where it's being produced is across an ocean, that probably means a big container ship is moving across that ocean to bring you that good, that item, that whatever that is, at a, you know, possibly at a slightly lower price to you in the, in the economic sense, but maybe a bigger cost to the planet in an environmental, ecological sense. So that's maybe another thing that can be very actionable for people is just sort of think about, should I buy that locally or should I buy that from a manufacturer in some country across some ocean from wherever this person lives? Yeah. That that yeah. makes sense. It does. Well, I want to, I, I couldn't not bring up, um, there's a recent television series called, it's on Apple TV called Extrapolations. That's a, that's a really great television series that I've, I've very much been enjoying and I encourage people to check it out. And one of the alums from my own alma mater, uh, Meryl Streep plays the voice of the last whale on the planet in this, in this television series. And it's a, it's a wonderful, there's, I know I'm trying to, you know, not do any spoilers here, you know, go, go watch the episodes and, and the thing, but, but as we, I was researching whales, having just watched some of those episodes where whales feature predominantly, I was, I was, I couldn't not bring it up here to encourage our listeners to go check out that television series in part because it, it's focused on what we can extrapolate the future might look like. It's just a version based on where things are going today for, you know, based on climate change. Oh, that's, that sounds interesting. I'll probably watch that because I wasn't sure I wanted to spend time watching more television, but I'll definitely, because I was interested in that series. So I will definitely thank you for yeah. the feedback. Yeah, agree. Okay. Well, this has been great. I hope our listeners enjoyed today's little deep dive into whales. Leaky and Olabanji, thanks for bringing this up as a topic to look into. I, I learned a lot. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. We'd love you to join the Carbon Sessions so you too can share your perspectives from wherever you are. This is a great way for our community to learn from your ideas and experiences, connect and take action. If you want to add your voice to the conversation, go to thecarbonalmanac.org slash podcasts and sign up to be part of a future episode. This podcast is also part of the Carbon Almanac Network. For more information, to sign up for the emails, to join the movement, and to order your copy of the Carbon Almanac, go to thecarbonalmanac.org. Be sure to subscribe and join us here again, as together we can change the world.